Welcome to Murdering a Podcast. <laughs> this is a little bit of a divergence from, from what we normally do. We've actually got a, a, a guest with us. He's uh, started writing uh, in 1998. He started writing songs uh, before ending up writing 10 episodes of a new sitcom that he's trying to get produced at the moment, as well as his first fantasy thriller book, which sounds absolutely fantastic. And I'm sure we will be talking about it uh, later on uh, today. Please welcome Kyle Hodgetts on to the call with us, and we will be back after this little bit of introduction. Welcome to Murdering a Podcast, two writers' journey to produce a narrative murder mystery. Hello, Kyle. Welcome to the show. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very well. One thing I did want to talk about today was my total inability to write anything for the last two weeks. It, I, not just as a as an aside, I'm really struggling right now. now murdering a podcast is all about our process of, of of getting these things written and and out, mm. and I'm I, I'm stuck on page twelve of a twenty seven page script. Are you on it on which episode number two? Number two. It's uh, I tell I know I think I know why, but I doesn't. It's not helping me get over it. Um, no. <laughs> I, think, I think it's def- difficult second script syndrome, where I've got a first script I'm quite happy with. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going. Oh, well, okay. Does, is this where I want to go with that? Um, it's the I, overthinking that I I personally yeah. find. Yeah, you get to that yeah, yeah, second yeah. second chapter or second script, and then you overthink because the yeah. first one was so good, and then you're like. I find it gets harder as I go along number because I've just written six episodes and my last one yeah. was so hard to write. <laughs> I've got two more left and I'm sitting here going, I know what I want to write. <laughs> I I don't normally, uh, past like the second thing, I don't normally have a problem. Mm. Um, but uh, this one, for some reason, it's really been difficult. Um I wrote stuff and I thought I was happy with it and I'm not sure I'm happy with it anymore. And I, I, yeah, it's very, it's odd because it, I, I don't normally get that. So it, I'm, I'm not really sure how to deal with it, you know. I think it, it does tend to happen to every writer at some point in their career Probably. where they just oh, have I, that yeah. boom, brick wall yeah. and you kind of just go, yep, nope, my brain's just deserted me. I've had this yeah. I've had yeah. this thing. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, Tash, you know what the last few weeks have been like for me. Yeah. You know, what with everything. I think that's not helped. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just everything kind of gets on top of it. Plus, I know, uh, I t- don't know if I've spoken about this before. I released a product about a month ago now. Mm. Uh, and it didn't really didn't do well. That's really not my confidence about everything at the moment. So I think it's all kind of congealed into one. But these are the problems that you're going to have to face if you're going to write anything. Yep, cool. Life gets in the way. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, Carl, jump in at any point and ch- talk. Don't don't yeah, stand yeah, no, no, because no. we will just ramble. I'm, no, that's good. It's good. Um, no, I was interested in that because um, I um, I have the same sort of problem. And I still kind of do, but I'm not. I'm not overly fussed about it because I'm just like that. I'm a tough. Yeah, quite, quite a pragmatic person in general. 
Yeah, <laughs> I'm just not really, I'm not really um, phased about much. Um, but um, what was going to say? So it's about the the, the the first project that I've got, this this dream that I have. Um, and even though I had two dreams about it, actually, I had another dream about the same book over lockdown. I thought, right, okay, that's where I'm going to go, you know. But it's little bits where, you know, you bring in new characters and you think, what are they going to do? Why are they there? You know, but I, but I ask myself those questions, you know, I am the reader. Mm. One of my um, favourite authors is um, Lee Child, and he writes that. You know, he's, he write, he, he's not bothered about how much he does, how much he writes a day. He never knows what he's going to write, and then he'll just think, "Well, okay, what would I like to happen if I was the reader? You know, maybe this, maybe that, and, that. and it frees for me. It frees things up." You know, it, it gets I, rid of that. Sort I of do know. I do know what you mean. And I, yeah, I the the idea about now you have to write X amount a day. I think it can be really, really destructive. Um, yeah, yeah. There is an author, Ben Aronovich, who writes on his Twitter thing every day how many words he's done, and he does it to show people that you don't need to have a prolific output in order to be a writer. So yeah. his word counts are like, you know, maybe a thousand, two thousand words a day. It's not a lot. But mm. then he's getting That's a book out at least once a year, um, which, which is published. That's his job, you know. My approach very much to writing is is to avoid having a, a minimum word count. I was talking to somebody who wants to get into writing a while ago and they were asking my advice on this. And I said, well, mm. you've got to write something. It doesn't matter how much. Mm. Like yeah. there are days where I can sit at my computer all day and, and, and bang out a sentence and then I'll just go, no, done, yeah. can't do any more. Yeah. Yeah. And then there are yeah. days where I can write a whole episode <laughs> without a second thought so it, it, it's... I, I find that with the comedy as well there is a certain mood that you are in where you can be funny mm. and then if you're if you don't hit that for whatever reason it doesn't matter how many jokes you write they won't be funny yeah no. and i can guarantee that those those jokes get into a script and will probably go up to production by the time that you get into the place where you can go oh I, I know how to fix that now and then that's it's done you know yeah well you were saying carl about about writing a certain amount of day is that something that you try to practice yourself or do you just kind of go into that i am just going to write something when i um because we had a you and i had a business meeting about business meeting it was just a laugh wasn't it you, you came to my house and we had this, <laughs> we had this meeting about um planning for it and, and you know um, but um, you know and, and how it was going to go and all this sort of stuff when I actually started writing it over lockdown because you get I, I don't always wait for a eureka moment I, I don't always wait for something to say oh, I think I want today's the day to do it yeah but this particular time particular time I did um, and I'm not, when I first started writing it, I 
I, I, read, I started writing on my phone with just my right thumb. Mm. Okay. And I wasn't, I think I was sort of doing about 2,000, 2,500. No, I was, I was doing between 500 and 2,000 a day. So it would, you know, but like you, sometimes it would be less. Yeah. So I wasn't particularly, I was writing every day, but I wasn't particularly thinking, oh, okay, well, you know, I've got to do a bit more because it's not, I don't, I'm not very good at um, following, um, I'll take some, I'll, I'll listen to advice, but I won't, I won't, you know, if it doesn't suit me, I won't, I won't do it. And then, like Steve said, things get in the way and <clears throat> you get a mental block and I just think, well, okay, I wrote 10,000 words just on my phone, right, because, because I didn't have a laptop. I had all these things and I had the whole story, well, half of the story mapped out. Mm. And I just thought, bloody hell. I've written 10,000 words on my phone with my right thumb. Yeah. And then I thought, right, I've got a laptop. I need a laptop. I need to. So now I've done a lot more. But no, I don't. I don't. um, I don't even start writing on, you know, at at the same time. I don't start writing at the same time of day. I don't finish at the same time of day because, you know, like with this sort of new character, I'm, I'm thinking. I'll work her out one of these days, you know. So I've got a, a vague idea, but no, I don't. I don't put any pressure on myself because, you know, it will get finished when it gets finished. Um, so, but my it's my mindset book that I'm doing. That's <clears throat> that's something that um, I do put slightly more pressure on because I've got um, one of my friends is. Um, who asked me to do it, he's sort of, now and again, he'll give me um, deadlines, you know. Uh, but, no, I'm quite, if I don't enjoy it, you know, then it becomes a chore. So yeah. I just, I don't put loads of pressure on myself. There's something interesting that you say, I mean, absolutely when you were saying you know it, it, writing's supposed to be enjoyable and you've got to really enjoy what you write because you're going to read it a hundred times um yes. but something you said earlier you said uh, you know you'll listen to all the advice but you won't always take it if it's not right and I think that's a really powerful statement and absolutely something that I think every not just writer everyone should really think about is you know I think you I have might... to you have to try everything out sometimes just in your head about mm. whether whether or not you think it's going to fit and and if it doesn't fit then you know if you can't get your head around how you're going to fit something into your writing process then you're not going to fit it into your writing process no matter how much no. you try yeah uh, and you're, you're right Tash you know why it's great if people give you advice but if it's not um, if it doesn't fit it's difficult. It's difficult, really. But you you take what you value. You take what yeah. you want to. <clears throat> what you you know will motivate you. What you know will help you. Um, so you just filter it out. You know, people. Um, I've had a couple of people say, "Oh, 
send whatever you know send things that you've written, you know any, even my producer uh, producer mate um, and I'll and I'll help you out and I'm kind of thinking yeah great doesn't mean I'm going to take on every you know doesn't mean I'm going to do everything that you, you know. <laughs> all right and th- that's not that's not a what's the word that's not a disrespectful thing and it's not because I know that he's a an award-winning producer he worked on um, Celebrity Juice, he worked on Nemmark Bushcocks, he's done American, American Idol, all that sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, and I, I respect him, but he knows that I'm a black sheep. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not a yes person. He said to me, he said to me, if you ever um, made it, you know, in, in your, your, whether it be your, um, comedy writing or any sort of writing or your martial arts because of like your new international students or whatever and you know American LA got hold of you he said you'd be absolutely you'd be terrible (laughs) and I said "Uh, what do you mean he said because you you kind of got to be apparently you've kind of got to be a yes man or a yes woman, you know, yes person. I think that's much more true in America than it is over here. Yeah. That's, get that's in, what I'm saying, yeah. You know, in, in yeah. the UK it's not. Because I think yeah. the, the way that the, the two industries work is slightly different. Um, in in the UK we kind of respect that kind of auteur writer position, which is why you get, you know, David Renwick wrote all of One Foot in the Grave. Yeah. Um, or uh, uh, Marks and Grand wrote all of, well, all of the stuff that they did. You know, they didn't have third writers come in, in to do it. No. Um, whereas in America, the whole idea is that, you know, you're striving to get to the position of showrunner where you have a team of writers underneath you who do a bulk of the work and you sit there making sure that it's what, what you want to turn out. Yeah. Uh, it's a different process com- completely. Mm. Um, I was reading something recently actually about the uh, Marvel films uh, and a complaint uh, from somebody who is working in that position saying look the problem is that what they're doing is they're they're not hiring showrunners they're hiring people who will then work at scale which is the the, um, uh, sort of industry um, uh, basic salary you know um, rather than having somebody who they hire as a showrunner who would likely then take a bit of the back end because that's the, generally the deals that they have, mm-hmm. which means they don't have those writers' rooms behind them. They don't have that that same uh, the same processes as you would normally have in, in American television. And the mm-hmm. industry is not really set up to do that. It means that those writers who are, who are writing their shows, they're not getting paid what they probably should be paid to do mm. that work. Um, whereas in the UK, it would be a completely different story. Well, I think a good example of, of that is is actually Ricky Gervais, because I, I watched an interview when he was talking about um, writing a lot of his stuff. I think The Office particularly. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not a fan of that particular show, but some of his stuff I, I, I quite like. But one of the things he said is that when he wrote that and he decided to do it, he wanted to make sure that it went the way he intended so he had to very much stand his ground and say no 
I am going to produce this. No, I am going to direct this. No, this is how it's supposed to be. And when they were going, no, you need to cut this scene and you need to cut that. He's going, go away. It is very, very different in America. And I think that's not just the industry. I think it's a very different culture in America where it's very much you have to be a yes man unless you are the rich one. If you are a rich person, then you can do what you want. But otherwise, yeah. it's yes, man. And in in the yeah. in Britain, we are a little bit more gobby. Excuse me, my cat is screaming at me um, in the background. If I keep turning yeah. away, that's why. Um, but yeah, we we tend to be a little bit more gobby. We tend to be a little bit more speak our minds in the UK. So, mm-hmm. like Steve said, I think the industries are very very different. Um, there you go. And. Uh, Hello, Sim- similarly, the, 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 it's not easy to get into the, to stuff in, in in the industry. You would oh, think God, no. that you know someone or, or a, a team like uh, Andy Hamilton and Guy Jenkin would have anything that they wanted greenlit because everything that they've had greenlit so far has done remarkably well. Uh, mm. But they said in an interview recently that they they had to struggle for every single thing that they had put on, and you know every time you go, it doesn't matter what your last project was; it's whether or not the commissioners think that this new project is the way that they want to go with whatever the you know, direction of the channel the direction of you know uh, of, of their particular um legacy that they want to leave behind as a as a commissioning editor or whatever uh so yeah they, they still have to fight for every single thing that they, that goes on yeah. and yet you would think the people who did outnumbered and dropped the dead donkey that they'd be able to get pretty much anything on them mm. no it is a but, difficult it's a difficult industry to to break into i think you were we we were because just for context we, we we set up a little msm chat on a, a, a social media thing so that we could sort of have a conversation before we did the interview and carl brought up something quite quite interesting which was about getting into the industry and about how difficult it was and you were asking us how we individually got into that industry it got into the industry oh yes um and i think i was sort of saying well i cheated <laughs> i just kind of created my own business because i couldn't yeah. be bothered with the rigmarole um yeah. you know i'd watched a lot of my friends struggle with with trying to get published and i was like ah sod that I, I but steve to took the hard route well. I t- <laughs> <laughs> no no that's not true i didn't know any better i didn't know what i was doing Mm. I would just people would say, "Oh, you try this," and I'd try it. That was it. it mm. So it wasn't the hard route. It was just the, I just followed the same path that other people had done. The proper yeah. route, not cheated. <laughs> like <laughs> I, honestly, you, I'm not sure I could do it now. Yeah, I, a no. lot of people say that you know comedy is a young man's game, and I'm not sure I could do it again. I'm, mm. I, I don't know. I don't know. If you did. If you did, Steve, would you cheat like Tash and I? Oh, would? God, yeah. Cheese <laughs> <laughs> more fun. Me. <laughs> more fun is it? It's probably I mean, I, sounds I, easy. I've always yeah. thought, though, that you need to make your own um, uh, your own way in in whatever it is that you want to do you've got to open up the, the path yeah. for yourself when i posted the response to that and i said that that you know what i try and do is to write jokes about stories that weren't popular but were still kind of in the public eye mm. i did that for a reason because i knew that nobody else wanted to talk about those stories and mm. so if they were looking for something that wasn't the story that was the main thing that week my stuff was more likely to get in front of the eyes of the producer that's yeah. 
It's just it's a purely a, a business decision, rather than looking through stuff going. I find this funnier than this other thing over here. It didn't doesn't work like that. You've got I th- a lot of writing where because of course it's difficult because it's a creative industry. But I think a lot of writing is uh, having enough business acumen to know when to change direction, change tag, and and yeah, yeah. do something out of left field. Yeah. I mean, what do you two think about um, how things like YouTube and, and TikTok and stuff have affected people who are creative and writers in terms of being able to get into the industry professionally? Uh, they Did haven't. <laughs> no, no, there, no there, there's a, there is a distinct difference between uh, BookTube, let's call it, because there are, mm. are, are people who read for a living, essentially, on YouTube. Uh, and people who write their books in that same sort of I'm, thing. I'm, I'm talking about people who who write little shorts and then post them on YouTube to get them out there. So like young movie mm. creators who are trying to get their, or new movie creators but who are trying to get their stuff out. Like For, for example, the most we're part, using... they aren't. Okay. For the most part, the people who are doing that, you there is some absolutely stunning stuff mm. on YouTube. Because I... I like film and I've made a couple of short films myself and we put our short films on YouTube and, and uh, um, I, I love that whole process and I hope at some point we'll have enough money to be able to do that process as part of the mystery lounge because that'd be great. But um, the, the idea that you can, you can make a, or, you know, district nine, for example, um, was a film that came out of somebody having put something on YouTube and everybody going, wow, that's fantastic. But it ignores the fact that there was a whole load of run-up to that as well. There was a whole mm. load of industry work that went into that as yeah. well. Uh, and all you see, it's like an iceberg. You just see the top little 10%. You don't see the 90% that's underneath that is backing up the fact that he then went on to direct District 9 as a, as a Hollywood production. See, I, I come at it from a different point of view, and I think that sometimes what people, whilst you've got sort of cases like that, there are a lot of people who tend to go on places like YouTube and think, oh, it's going to be easy. I can I can just become a, a writer and, and just post it up on YouTube and, and, there it, and, and we're good. Uh, what was it? There was another film... Who came from a YouTube short as well, which was about a mirror that he... Oh, uh, Oculus. Oculus, that's one. The short of Oculus is awesome. Mm. It's better than the main film, honestly. It is so good. Have you seen Oculus? No. I thought thought that was something with eight legs. No, no, no. (laughs) It's got... um, An octopus. (laughs) It's got Amy from Doctor Who in it. Um, Oh, I'm watching that. Yeah, the film. <laughs> yeah, it it's the first role after Doctor Who, I think. Yeah, uh, but the short, like you said, the short was fantastic. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna write that down. I'm writing that. I'm, I mean, I'm I'm gonna watch that. Yeah, I'll send you the yeah. short link because it's it's essentially just a guy in a room with a mirror, and that's it. This whole film is about that. It's such a well written production. Mm. Um, but like Steve said, it, it, you know, he's done a lot of industry work and and to get that out there. Um, I mean, I think that sometimes it, it gives the impression with things like YouTube that it's easier than it actually is to break into this industry and, and to earn any kind of living off it. The thing that annoys me is when you've got people who go on to places like YouTube um, 
create problems for everybody and then make money off that. That that really quite like they're called the drama channels and stuff. And I think that's sure. Like yeah, yeah. People yeah, finding I'm, entertainment from other people's pain. Just, um, just, just going back onto Oculus just for a second. Mm. Oculus was a film in 2013 mm. uh, based on the short story they'd originally done and they had uh, different chapters of that short thing. Mm. Uh, the first directing credit that this guy's got, uh, and his name's Mike Flanagan, it's the same guy who did The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is absolutely incredible, A really Midnight Mass, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, the, uh, he's got uh, Fall of the House of Usher, which is coming up, um, and uh, Doctor Sleep. Um Ooh. And, and Hush in 2016. He's, he's a great director. And you mm. can see that at some point he would have been picked up. But in 2000, he worked on a thing called Make Believe. In 2001, he worked on a thing called Still Life. In 2003, he worked on a thing called Ghosts of Hamilton Street, which I've actually seen and I didn't realise it was him. Uh, mm. In 2003, he worked on a TV series where he directed uh, three episodes uh, of the... I can't even pronounce it. The Glabe Show? Oh, I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce it. You're that. asking, did you, uh, yeah, I can't yeah. pronounce my own freaking name sometimes. So <laughs> this, was, this was all before um, Oculus was uh, was released. Mm. It, you know, so it, that that's the difference. It's not, it's not the... It's not that he made something good on YouTube and was discovered. Mm. It's that he was working in this industry and working towards a point. Yeah. And all of that culminated in his discovery. And it was the Oculus thing that that that, that took off. Finally, yeah. That's I think that's that's the that's the thing. I think, like you said, it's the iceberg, isn't it? People don't yeah. see all of that work that goes in. It's like you were saying, Carl, you've been right. Because the other for thing quite... is you can guarantee that the, that first credit on IMDB won't be the first thing that you worked on. No. Because it never it never is. Um but like you were you were saying, Carl, you've been writing for quite some time and and sort of, you know, getting that honing your craft and getting that practice in. Um, you know, in order to get to a point where you will you sit still, pussycat? In order to get, she's after that. That's what she's after. And if you can see it, uh, you have to explain for the listeners. Right for the listeners, my cat is desperately trying to get a hair bobble that is on my lap, and she keeps jumping up and then wiggling around and falling off. But yeah, you were saying that um, you know you you you've written f quite a few things and and you know you've you put a lot of effort into sort of, into your writing and what have you. I mean, other, obviously, other than the the occasional sort of issue where you, you get a little bit of writer's block, what what other um, challenges do you would you say that you face, Carl, as a new as a new writer? Um, well, one of the things was I actually enjoyed. I enjoyed and I found it less stressful to write on my phone mm. than to do on my laptop because, and I don't know, I've only had this laptop since, I don't know, 
beef well a year ago. And the, the cursor jumps around. It's 2000, it's Windows 2007. I, I, I used to be conscious of um, hitting the, what do you call it, the cursor pad. Yeah. Uh, and that obviously made the, the mouse move around and I ended up writing words within words and I was just, well, how the hell did that get up there? I'm, I was down here a minute ago, right? Mm. And that puts me off. But then I think, wait, it, it starts to put me off. But then I also, I, I've always thought, if something starts annoying me or, or gets to me a little bit, or some, I always say to myself, you know what? It could always be worse. We could always be in a worse situation than this. It's just a, a cursor moving around, right? And um, I'm not technically savvy. I'm just here to write stuff, you know. And then I just think, oh, it's all right. I'll just find it and I'll just, you know, delete, delete, delete. If the process takes longer yeah. because I haven't worked out what I'm doing wrong and I haven't worked out how to lock the cursor or... But then I think if I lock the cursor somewhere, I'll have to unlock it and then move, you know. Mm. That's um, the only thing. Yeah. There's a couple of tips because I find the same problem when I'm using a laptop. Um, and I use a portable mouse, so like a little mini mouse that I just attach mm -hmm. in with a extendable lead mm -hmm. um, and a portable keyboard that I then just plug into so that it's external to the laptop. So you're not it, relying on the laptop's yeah, so stuff I'm not, to do it. Because yeah. I don't yeah. always like laptop keys. Um, so I just I just use a portable keyboard and mouse that um, it's, they're just small. They don't have they're not like full size keyboards or and it's not a full size mouse, but it does make it infinitely easier. What I used to do when I was making websites for a living was I had a, a I had a MacBook um, because you you uh, you buy Mac when you're that pretentious. Um, <laughs> I I would take that macbook to meetings and stuff mm. but when i came home and i needed a better environment i would plug it into two monitors and have a separate keyboard so it felt more like a desktop setup so that i was still able to do that work yeah. that helped yeah. a lot yeah. yeah but i really I, I tell you what i really loved was writing on the ipad yeah and the software that we're using has an ipad app for it and it's rubbish. And it's such a shame because the software itself is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a niggly thing, isn't it? You know, mm. but, um, I think the more techno savvy, you, you know, the, the different um, tools that you use to write with, um, that's going to help. But at the moment, I'm just thinking, well, well, not really that much of an issue. Can I? Can I um, go back to now? I'm interested. I'm very interested in TikTok, and I'm very interested in YouTube. I've got um, well between got, us. Tash is the TikTok expert, and I've got a YouTube channel with over a thousand people on it. So well, that's that's brilliant. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I was talking um, my my first my first uh, experience of YouTube was in 2010 when I um, decided to record an EP of, I just had four of the many songs that I've written, right? They are on YouTube, um, 
So I thought, right, okay, that's great. Now I know that I'm just going to do music for hobby and, you know, a hobby and all that sort of stuff. But I'd also like to maybe write compositions for, I don't know, whatever comes to it. So I've got that. And also my next experience of YouTube filming was um, I did, I took part in a three episode, um, three episodes of something called Adaptive Wing Chun. This was with my latest instructor tag. Um, so can you just clarify what Adaptive Wing Chun is just so that people know? Um, okay. Because it's a martial arts style, isn't it? So it's... it's mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, yeah, Wing Chun is, is based on um, um, a crane and a um, snake having a fight. Right. And um, the style is based on those two animals. And when I say adaptive... Which I think is very unfair because there is no way that a snake could beat a JCB. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. People often say that to me. It's not going to happen, is it? <laughs> so I, you just get run over. So I'm the JCB because I can run people over. You know. When I say adapted, um, well, that's what my instructor called it. And it is because um, like when I was training with Tash when I first met her, um, I didn't. I, I I passed the I passed the beginning levels, but I didn't start doing the the, the intermediate stuff because there was a lot more. There was footwork. Obviously, I don't do footwork, but <laughs> I'd already been training in martial arts since two thousand three two thousand three for six about six years. Um, so when I went to this other instructor, I started adapting it and I started using techniques that were out of that Wing Chun Kung Fu style. So it was like um yeah it was just it was just an adapted style of, of, of this Wing Chun. So I've done three videos to show certain things, uh, certain ways I just the, the, the certain styles I do in martial arts. And then I was invited to, um, 2015, I, I was invited to the Chinese New Year Kung uh, Fu demonstration, which I've got a video, two videos of. I was invited there twice. Um, and then, so that's my, my, my martial arts videos. Um, I did a, I've done a, um, a video on TikTok mm. where I did uh, a kung fu pattern of a set of movements um, that I actually did for my first black belt. Um, and I've done some comedy stuff when I was in LA and, um, you know, on, on TikTok. Now, just talking about the TikTok bit, I was talking to a, had a meeting with a, a TikTok expert. Um, and he said, uh, one of the questions was, um, you, uh, I mean, he, he was a, a, a bouncer, um, very good at martial arts. And I said, he, he said, right, so you've come to me because 
you'd like to get out there more on TikTok and YouTube and all sort of stuff, you know, and you, you're traveling, you're already traveling up and down the UK doing martial arts workshops with people with different um, mixed abilities. Mm-hmm. So you're doing that, you're traveling. He says, you've got one international student in Norway, your teacher, and um, he said, what else are you doing? So I talked to him about this, these TikTok things and YouTube and all that sort of thing. And then I said to him, in your martial arts journey, I'm sure that you've, you've met and seen other people in Norway doing martial arts. He said, yeah, yeah, of course. He said, and one of the things he said when I met you, he said, how on earth, because uh, apparently I'm the, the first, definitely in Britain, I'm the first paraplegic two-star kickboxer. Um, but then I was in a uh, Kung Fu magazine in Los Angeles, and they were like, right, well, you need to come to this Wing Chun school in Burbank because we don't know anybody in America in your position that teaches two-star kickboxing. And then some of the martial arts instructor in Denmark said it, and there's, there's people in Europe and you know, America, so I just thought, well, okay, well, maybe it's, it's, it's <clears throat> and But he said, how on earth are you not more, um, how on earth the people, the more people not know about you, you know? And I just thought, well, maybe it's because I don't do any TikTok content or YouTube content and all this sort of stuff. With, I mean, I can I can talk a little bit about the TikTok thing. I mean, with TikTok, you need to have regular content going out. I mean, I will usually put two or three video out, videos out a day. They they, I'll film most of them on the same day at the weekend, and then mm. just put them in drafts and then just post them as and when. Um, yeah. Or I'll do the quick ones, and a lot of them is just jumping on trends, duetting people yeah. Um, yeah. with your own unique style. But you need to put out regular content. Now, I still don't understand this stuff. I haven't had the time to look at it, you know, um, mm. oh, with, love... with everything else that we have to do as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know. it's, it is fun if you treat it as fun. So yeah. um, with mine... It's taken ages to get any traction, and now I'm I'm getting quite a reasonable. I'm I'm still got a small account. I've only got a couple of thousand people on there, but I haven't been on there very long. Um, it recently jumped up when I roasted um, what was his name, Joe Rogan, for saying some. Oh no, it was Boris Johnson, or was it the one about the? There was I think it was the one that I sent sent the thing about um, when I'd what's it monster spitting at at people anyway it was a it was a roast of somebody saying something atrocious about women um but it's you know what they say is is it's got to be entertaining or creative or funny or you've got to be hot as fuck now i'm generally operating you are um i am generally operating on lesbian tiktok so it's a you know all i have to do is get my tits out and it's great now i don't actually get my tits out but all I have to do is show a little bit of cleavage, and it's 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 great. Um, that's one of my fa- favorite things is my of my FYP page is there's large quantities of cleavage on it. But um, you know, it, it, it's about that bit's a bit waffly, so please edit that out. <laughs> um, so yeah, with with TikTok, it's about sort of being entertaining, and now my stuff is tends to be quite random. Some people like that. Um, but if you're really trying to grow your account for a specific purpose, so for example, you're trying to get your martial arts stuff out there, you're trying to promote something, um, you need to have consistent content. So consistent content, um, 
and you need to label it properly and and and, and things like that. Will... It's, it's several posts a day, though, isn't it, on TikTok? Only a couple. As, no, it's one or two. Okay. Yeah, two. Or, Matt, I mean, I will. I can go from. Sometimes I'll put one out. Sometimes I'll put two or three out. But you don't have to put an awful lot. It's more in the beginning mm. than in the end. Um, yeah. Towards the end, because people will follow you. Because what they'll do is they'll see a video. They'll go onto your profile, have a look to see what your content's like, um, and then they'll choose to follow you. Um, but so yeah, if you've got sort of consistent content and stuff, stuff that they really, really like, there is, there's disabled talk and you would do really, really well in, in, in that. Um, and it's about targeting your audience. So the hashtags are incredibly powerful. They are, um, things like, um, so they will get, and the, cause their algorithms are really, really good. So yeah. for me, I want to reach lesbians. I want to reach the alphabet mafia. I want to reach, you know, gay people like myself, yeah. Um, and get my content out to them because that's going to be my primary audience because I'm essentially my my personal TikTok is pretty much me just talking about how gay I am <laughs> and just being gay on TikTok. The other thing is cross-promotion as well because what yeah. you do on TikTok is essentially what Instagram want on Reels. Mm-hmm. Yes. So if you can do one video although i've been told several times now the best way of doing it is to create the reel outside of the app mm. or to create the tiktok outside the app and then upload it to the app because they have got uh, so tiktok has algorithms that tell somebody that something's come from instagram and vice versa and if they mm -hmm. see that something has come from the other platform they rank it down yeah I mean, if you're primarily just putting your content on TikTok, then it's okay to create it on TikTok um, yeah, because I've sure, got a yeah, reason. Yeah. It's a very basic, but it's it's actually quite a powerful editing tool that you can use. That any that's so simple to use, even I can use it. <laughs> and a lot of it is um, doing transitions. So you would hold. You look like a twat doing it because you you're moving your phone and doing all this stuff in the room. Speak, and, for, speak for yourself. <laughs> some of the trends are brilliant. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's for you, I would say personally, is, is you want to be really targeting disabled talk, um, disability talk and things like that. So you, you're getting out to the type of people who are going to want to listen and watch yeah, your stuff because yeah. that's what that's part of the. So I'm on three communities. I'm on several communities. I'm on mental health talk, uh, disability talk, um, gay talk lesbian talk which are two separate tiktok things and neurodiverse talk because because i'm neurodiverse so i'm on those kind of five sort of areas of tiktok um so i would want to see your type of material coming up on my on on that aspect of my my fyp page um and one of the things you can do is is film lots of little short videos they only have to be like 15 between 15 seconds to three minutes long. The ones that do best are usually between 15 seconds to 60 seconds um, of just of, of demonstrating how your martial arts system works for somebody in a wheelchair or for somebody who, who's got different abilities. Um, yeah. And I'd, I'd say that would probably, you'd have to be patient, but that if you consistently put out that, and I'd say one or two TikToks a day, film it all at the weekend, put it in your drafts, and then you you put that out you can you, i reckon you'd do really well because again there's a mark because you'd also do well in martial arts talk um because mm. there is a whole area of tiktok dedicated to teaching 
people how to defend themselves, particularly women, how to defend themselves. So you would yes. do also do very well on that area of TikTok. Yeah. So as long as you know where your hashtags are going and what what who you want to target, and those are your three kind of core areas, which would be disability talk, um, you know, martial arts talk, and self defense talk. Um, you will do really, really well. It will take a little while. So you can fill them all, edit them all, put little words on top of it, get somebody to, to film you defending yourself um, and try and put them in real life situations. So, you, you know, you're approaching your car, someone comes up behind you, that type of thing. And yes. then you can use that as a jumping mechanism to sell your books. Because um, you were saying about one of your books being about, um, essentially it's, a, it's a, a disabled superhero, which I think is awesome we need one um <laughs> I, yeah. I want that i well it, that was your script wasn't it and i want that script out i want that film out for for it's everyone to there. see because yeah. we do need there's so much ableism um you know that that, that, that goes around and it, it's it's the one minority group that anybody could become a part of at any moment in their lives you know it is it's one of the the least represented there's very few people who are allies uh, you'll probably find this i've i found this when you know i've been struggling and i've gone to town and some tit uh able-bodied tit going into a disabled space because they needed a wee um oh i had that uh, like a couple of months ago yeah and i sat behind him sorry to interrupt but i sat behind him and it, i heard him say oh i, I need to go and use the disabled toilet and he was doing this um, body sort of front back of Notre Dame walk, and you know he was just about to open, uh, open the door. And I just happened to be sitting behind him, and he clocked me, and his mates were like goading it. His mates didn't see me, and um, he turned around and he saw me, and I said, um, "I don't know if you saw this post on Facebook." And I looked at him, and I just gave him one of those looks that I can give. And I said, uh, "Have you finished? You know, can I go? Can I go into that toilet now?" And uh, he was like, he could have been sweating blood. He was just thinking, "Oh, why me? What have I done?" You know? Yeah. Get out. You know. All right. Yeah. I wasn't going to cause any problems, but it, you, you well, don't need it, do you? No. And because I've had people actively scream and shout at me and call me entitled yeah. for wanting and to park in a parking. <laughs> space that okay. i am entitled to parking on a bad yeah. day so that yeah. i can go get milk from the goddamn shop yeah. um i caught somebody eating their lunch sitting in a disabled spot it was a workman eating his lunch in the disabled pot and i, I went in and i said do you have a blue badge i always check that just in case it's invisible illnesses or invisible yeah. disabilities that we don't know about and i always check that i was like do you have a disabled badge you went oh no no i was just i was just popping in and i was like <laughs> well, why are you parking in the disabled space if you're able-bodied? And he was like, well, there were no parking spaces, so why didn't you park down the road? And he was like, well, I didn't... Uh, well, uh, 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 and I was like, and you're eating your lunch in the disabled space? And he went, well, you could have just asked me to move. I went, well, I'm telling you to fucking move now. I said, but it's a bit late because I've had to park on the other side of the bloody car park, and now I'm going to be in pain for two days, thanks to you. Um... And all I got was excuses. And he was like, well, you don't care. You don't care that I was just. And I went, no, I don't care because you could just park down the road and you could just easily walk to the shop. Whereas there's a lot of people who can't, who actively need that space. Um, TikTok again, you, like you were saying that the, mm. the best videos are between 15 seconds and a minute. Is that what you said? Yeah, usually they're the most popular ones. They're the ones that get picked up on the algorithm and pushed. Okay, um, 
comedy side of things to mm. do with. I mean, you know a lot of. I've told you a lot of stories about situations that I've got into, you know, that are people find extremely funny. Sorry, like when I went to, uh, I did that charity climb in Snowdon in 2009 and I put Wales in my sat nav, ended up in Rotherham and then I had to drive, because I'm so determined, I drove from Rotherham back to Snowdon I was two hours late, but then I still climbed Snowden. Mm. Got stuck up there for two and a half hours, 800 metres up. Oh, bless you. Without a coat and a jumper, because I asked somebody to take it to the... So, how would I... I think that would be... Not necessarily just that, but another situation where I parked in a disabled space. Uh, I'd I'd literally just... um, My... My marriage had just broken down, and I thought, right, okay, well, look, I'm, I'm going to be living on my own for a while. I'll, I'll learn how to do my shopping. I went into Morrison's, and um, there was nobody parked next to me. Right? Went into Morrison's, came out, I had about two bags in my teeth, two bags in each hand, maybe more, and I was, you know, pushing myself out. Then it started raining, right? And then... I realised that somebody had parked too close to my door, right? So I couldn't get down the side of the car. So I thought, well, how do I do? How do I get in now? So I opened the boot, um, put my bags, put the bags in the boot, undid my wheelchair, put the wheelchair in the boot, climbed over the, on the back seat, put the wheelchair on the back seat, pulled the wheels over, got into the driver's seat. Got my wheelchair onto the passenger seat, then I climbed all the way back into the boots. Then I realised that I couldn't close the boot because I couldn't stand up and I couldn't reach, you know, and there was no. Right? So I sat there in the pouring rack. Well, I wasn't getting anywhere to. There was nobody in the car park. I was there for about 20 minutes. When this bloke yeah, the, came the, out. The punchline to that should be you managed to close the boot for, with some weird contraption that you would create. Get back into the driver's seat. Start yeah. the car, and the car next to you moves. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, but this, yeah, absolutely, and I'll, I'll <laughs> definitely take that on board. I, d- I think, this- I think, actually, the problem that you would have with that is format, because I think that's a that, that that would make a good three minute sketch. Mm. But I'm not sure it would make a good three minute sketch on TikTok. Yeah, well, yeah, this is yeah, this is my um, this is my query. Um, the, the the final outcome was um, this bloke walked past me and I said uh, excuse me mate I've been sitting here for 20 minutes do you mind closing the boot for me so I can drop you know <laughs> well he was the bloke that was parked next to me <laughs> that's the that's the ironic oh, thing right right so I just thought you know I mean that was that's quite a that would could be quite a long video for, for TikTok but I think it's really funny I think that I mean stories it, like that can be is. condensed as well. I mean it is a funny story, and I think it, I think it's just it, it kind of personally that would need condensing. Um, yeah. The one oh, that yeah. that you've told me that or the stories that you tell or that you've told me the way you've ended up losing your wheelchair um, whilst out. Yeah. 
as are usually the funniest ones when yeah. when you're like, and then there's me and my wheelchair's buggering off down the road. Yeah. Um, those are the those are the ones that really get me howling. And I think there was one you told me about when you ended up getting your wheelchair put on bricks. I can't I, something about being drunk. I remember that much. It was my 18th birthday, and yeah. I fell. It, I passed out, and uh, my mates took my back wheels off, and I went to go home, and I realised that the chairs were a lot taller, and the pool table was a lot taller, and when I went to go move, I realised that they took my wheels off, and I couldn't go anywhere. You know, so <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible abuse. Uh, what else was going to say? <laughs> Going back to TikTok, I think this is the problem that you would then have is one more of production rather than anything else. Yeah. Because the, the, the content's there, the, the situation's there. Yeah. Um, the, but then how do you then film? And largely it's going to have to be you filming it by yourself. Mm-hmm. How do you then film that sketch or that, that, that thing? Um, well, I've thought about because it. Because it, it wouldn't be just you sat in front of a camera talking, I would assume. Although you could yeah. do that. But I don't think it would be as popular as if you if it's actually there, if it's visual, if it's shown mm. on the screen, you know. Would it work in, like, if it was a car situation, which it normally is, isn't it? Yeah. It's fancy. You know, if it was a car situation, would it work as, like, um, um, a camera situation, uh, camera situated, like with Top Gear or um, somebody filming it's like it. Like a GoPro in the driver's seat, sort of thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Mm. Like, yeah. like for example, the situation where I got my chair out at a petrol station, and it, it, because my brakes didn't work, or I'd forgotten to put my brakes on, it actually rolled down a hill, and there was a McDonald's opposite, right? And you could see it rolling down the, the drive-through. <laughs> Sorry, that just took a second right. for my brain to catch up with that image of just an empty wheelchair just rolling through a drive-through. <laughs> you know, um, so so yeah, it's production is is definitely something that would think, oh, okay, well, how do you do that? Would it be an idea to to try and partner with somebody who's close to you who wants to do the production side of things yes that's yeah i've got a few ideas i've got a few people for that you know mm, yeah. just hasn't happened yet the, <laughs> the sure. beautiful thing sure. about tiktok is it doesn't have to look professional people are expecting you to film it yourself they're expecting yeah. it to look a bit sort of cobbled together to some degree um I personally think things like the sketches would go down better on something like YouTube because then you can do lots of little sketches, um, create little, um, you know, use some of your real life ones. And then, again, part of the whole joy of comedy is that you can exaggerate the real life thing that's happened to make it funnier. Mm, Um, But but, uh, YouTube, um, again, it's, you know, the format problems. Uh, YouTube videos need to be, it used to be 10 minutes long in order to get an advert break in. Now it's eight minutes long. So if the ultimate goal of this is that you want to be uh, a YouTuber, so somebody who makes their income from YouTube, you need to be making videos that are at least eight minutes long and sketches that are eight minutes long don't 
tend to go very well. I'm thinking sort of you can do lots of little sketches to create an eight minute long compilation of funny things that have happened. Yeah. Um, rather than an eight minute long sketch in itself because they also do youtube shorts as well which are quite popular at the moment they do they do and and it's a a fairly new thing so it's still there's people still sort of exploring it a bit what might be interesting actually is if you had okay so there's the let's say 30 days in a month obviously you know there's some that have more and one has less um but work towards there being 30 days in a month. That means that on TikTok, you would need 30 different things, seven a week. Mm. Uh, if those seven a week are end up being about eight minutes in total, then you could publish that compilation as a YouTube video. Yeah. The I I personally think that the self-defense stuff is probably going to be going down better on TikTok um because i think you can probably do more more of those you can you know you can do lots of little quick sketches of 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 somebody physically trying to, showing people how to defend yourself from a variety of different attacks in Definitely. seemingly real life situations obviously you set them up yeah i think we looked at doing some of those when we when we were training together at one point um you set it up and you know, you get somebody to come and then you slow it down so that they, you then show the people, you show people how to slow it down. And then you can do things like top tips, top tips to keep yourself safe as a disabled person or top tips yeah. to keep yourself safe with limited physical capabilities and things. Yeah. Um, I think that's definitely the sort of stuff that would go down well on shorts as well. Yeah. The, those kind of things seem to work quite well. And then Absolutely. you can position that to, to then sort of kind of push people towards the books that you're writing and the films that you're wanting to produce um because then you can sort of do the whole well you know this is what i do in real life and so when i that gives you sort of this authority that you're speaking of you know your authority so that then people go oh i'd like to you know know more about it and you can say well these here's a non-fiction book that i've written on how to do it but also here's a fiction book that i've written based on my life experiences um and and you can do link trees there's a lot of people on tiktok that do that they've got little link trees in their in their thingy i don't know how to do that yet i haven't figured that out so if anyone wants to help Uh, there are no that i know how to do that oh you know how to do that but there are, there are companies that will, pro- will provide those things, and yeah. uh, I think you can get some for free. And what the, my my plan always with murdering a podcast and with mystery lounge is that we'll eventually build one company wide that'll just be sat on the website because yeah. I can make them. You know, it's, um, can I put a pause and go for a week as my bladder is well? Screaming. No, because we ah! are actually at the point where we, we need are. to kind of finish now. Okie dokie. Uh, and uh, may actually have to cut a few things out to make the time limits. But uh, <laughs> thanks ever so much uh, to uh, to Carl for coming in. Um, I'm Thank sure we'll work. have you back at some point as well because this was an interesting chat. It was really, really um, interesting. Thank you, Carl. Yeah, uh, and uh, and uh, good luck with everything going forward. Uh, so until next time, don't forget you can find out more on the show notes and, of course, at murderingapodcast.com. Uh, if you want to help fund our projects, go and join us over on Patreon. Again, everything's on the website. If you mm-hmm. want to uh, listen to more of the show, uh, then you can find us on Apple and Spotify and, and all of those Things places like yeah. and of course if you would if you would leave us a, 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 a review and 
click the stars and things. We're awesome. Just tell, tell them we're awesome. We're great. Lie. Be, lie through your teeth. <laughs> Until then, we really do have to go now. So thanks ever so much for listening. And we will see you on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye. Just hands. That was Murdering a Podcast. And if you'd like to find out more information about the podcast, the Mystery Lounge, or anything mentioned in the show, please head over to murderingapodcast.com. The music was The Secret of Tiki Island by Kevin MacLeod, and the producer was Steve Meller. Until next time, thanks for listening.